You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. We'll talk about how sheltering in place has affected young people's mental health, with youth working to provide peer mental health support. Within my group of friends, a lot of people have just started to give up. They're like, oh, this has been going on for so long, they don't really see hope anymore. Other people, they've started to practice more self-care. They've started looking into seeking more help. They reach out to the wellness center a lot. And I think that they've been stuck for so long. And so when they see like these resources that we provide, they're more open to trying it out. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org. Mental health was a growing concern when it comes to young people, even before the pandemic. But the isolation and uncertainty of sheltering in place has come with an increase in reports of unhappiness and depression among students. At San Francisco high schools, students have been reaching out to one another through videos and other socially distanced methods to offer some support as schools remain closed. I talked with three students who've been active in peer support programs to help others struggling with their mental health. My name is Alan Wong, and I am a junior at Abraham Lincoln High School, and I work with the Wellness Ambassadors on the anti-Asian discrimination front. My name is Abigail Alt. I am a senior at Abraham Lincoln High School, and I am the president of Bring Change to Mind Club. Hi, my name is Joyce Trong. I'm a senior at Abraham Lincoln High School. I was previously a youth outreach worker, and now I'm a wellness ambassador and a peer wellness coach, part of the anti-Asian discrimination group. Let's start big picture. Speaking either for yourselves or for generally what you've seen among other students, how has not being in school physically affected students' mental health? For myself personally, I'm a very hardworking student, like during the school year and like in person before COVID. But during COVID, during quarantine, I started feeling very unmotivated. I felt like very stuck because it's my senior year and like usually there's all these events and I've never been to a high school dance personally. And I was really looking forward to all these events because I saved them all for my very last year. And I just felt really sad that I didn't have anything to look forward to. That's what it felt like. And I know a lot of friends too. They would come to me and they would talk about how they felt like there was nothing to look forward to anymore. So High school students, they've been taking harder courses, and um, especially since the pandemic hit, that adaptation towards online learning, and then students start to become pressured. And especially in the newfound environment, when you're stuck inside your house, it kind of feels like you're in a jail room. And um, some sometimes, like, you don't know where to go. And it just feels so unsettling, and it kind of puts a lot of pressure on someone's mind, especially like a high school student like me who um, is not really used to being in small spaces. So I usually kind of find escapes on the internet, ask for help or any of that sort. Uh, I would say when we were in person at school, we would have 
a different and mostly larger group of a support group, which meant just acquaintances, friendly faces in the hallways. And I feel extremely bad for the freshmen because they're coming in here. They're taking classes from teachers who don't know how to adjust to COVID yet. And they have no connections here. They have no one to support them. And that disconnect is leading to so much anxiety in all of my friends and myself that we aren't going to make it through this entire year. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to high school students the other day about reopening schools and and was talking about starting a new school year in the course of the pandemic and during lockdown. And one of the things that sort of befuddled me is the idea of trying to start a new school year and connecting with new classmates and new teachers and all that over Zoom exclusively. But I can only imagine how much worse it is if you're going from middle school to high school in the middle of a pandemic. Can you maybe all talk about how the situation has changed in terms of mental health and students' mental health since the beginning of the pandemic to now? Because at first it was, okay, we're going to do this for a few weeks. Okay, maybe it'll be a few months. And now we're going on a year of of distance learning. Have things worsened? Have people found more resources or coping mechanisms to deal with this? What What's changed? I think that there's a balance. I've noticed that within my group of friends, a lot of people have just started to give up. They're like, oh, this has been going on for so long. They don't really see hope anymore. But Yikes. I've also noticed that other people... They've started to practice more self-care. They've started looking into seeking more help. And they reach out to the wellness center a lot. And I think that they've been stuck for so long. And so when they see like these resources that we provide, they're more open to trying it out. So how I kind of perceive it is that like the pandemic, I've been asked by my dad and um, he says, Okay, Alan, what what do you think is this pandemic been doing to you? Is it good or is it bad? And for me personally, I think it's been doing like both good and bad. And I can split this into three factors. Ones that are internal, ones that are external, and the third is social. So internal factors usually meaning that like you're stuck in a house for prolonged periods of time and can kind of be unsettling, especially when you're like, like I mentioned beforehand, you're stuck in a prison cell. and um, Or you're just being with family members that kind of make you uncomfortable, or in some cases, like in some cases, abusive family members. And that can really affect how a student mm. kind of like thinks mm-hmm. and performs in school. Leading on to external factors such as academic performance, you're in a new environment, you're online, you don't have that kind of face-to-face communication anymore. You're just all staring at a screen, looking at each other, um, and it just doesn't feel right for some students, while others they probably feel more secure because you know they're hiding. They're not. They're not very social with other people. And um, to some of the, can't say for all, but some of my like extroverted people, they do kind of um, feel isolated and not in touch with people. And it can really lead some of the students to feel defeated, just unmotivated. And I've kind of been seeing some of that in some of the people I've been kind of like interacting with. And then finally, third is social communication. So kind of like what we were talking about, 
with extroverts and, you know, talking with other people, and then especially to people who don't have access to technology and require that face-to-face -face interaction. It can make them feel kind of like lonely. They don't know what to do and they start to stress out. And that can really impact how a student performs, especially during a time of pandemic. Yep, totally. That was a lot of good points. I honestly haven't thought about a lot of those yet. I would say in the beginning of the pandemic, it felt like a vacation. We had two weeks where we didn't have to go in person. We didn't have to wake up early and get on the bus. And that was great. And a lot of people were watching TV while in class or working on other projects. Some were catching up on work even, just without that extra time commitment in the mornings and in the afternoons. And that was okay for a little while, but when that goes on for an entire year of there being no divide between your school life and your home life, being stuck in the same room, like doing homework on your bed, doing it in your living room, never leaving your house. It goes downhill pretty fast in my experience, especially if you don't have a strong enough support system. Many will have like family who tell them that they need to go talk to wellness or wellness has gone pretty good at uh, kind of shoving the resources in a student spaces uh, <laughs> but when you don't have that you stop doing your homework you stop learning in class from the lectures which as a physical learner those lectures don't help me anyways uh, but you start failing classes and it gets pretty bad yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that yeah the wellness centers are kind of pushing the resources because i wanted to talk with all of you about how you reach a student who might be in distress or who might need mental health resources and so how do you identify that how do you reach them and on the other hand you know what does it take for someone who is in distress to reach out to you what's sort of the turning point have you found we typically meet up and we all brainstorm ideas on what we see as issues within our own personal experiences or within people we interact with and we think about how they're feeling or like what issues they're experiencing and we make videos uh, that address issues and we talk about the resources and um, many of our, the people in our program are bilingual and so we have people translate these videos mm. and mm -hmm. we make sure that they reach everyone by emailing them to the whole school. Usually we don't get that many responses back until we keep trying. We won't just send out one video like over the course of like I'd say two weeks we send out like two videos like a video a week almost uh, that's interesting and, and that you have to be persistent and also uh, interesting to hear from uh, abigail that parents kind of have to push it on students sometimes to go and take advantage of those resources um abigail or alan alan did you want to add to what joyce just said i think when it comes to students reaching out to us in my own experience it would be speaking from friendships and all of that when they get scared of themselves, 
because as teenagers, we all kind of have our own inner demons. And when those get too loud and it's a very last ditch method, that's when I find people reaching out. And it's really scary because so much damage has already been done, which is why those videos are so important. They offer opportunities to make sure it doesn't get that bad, but the chances of people opening their emails and seeing those videos is also quite slim. Oh, then there's also the support groups that we have at school that are less likely for people to join, but when you do get to that point where you're scared of yourself, you can join these anonymous support groups, which I'm part of. Um, in response to what Joyce said, I kind of like being as a wellness ambassador. I'm also a peer wellness coach too. Um, usually some like the students, they come up to me, they kind of have, they, they want to like talk, talk it out. Um, I usually help with planning SMART goals, which is, which stands for specific, measurable. I think it was, oh, I, I don't even remember what it was, but yeah, those <laughs> SMART goals. And, um, I'm helping this kid. We talk on a weekly basis. And for about 15 minutes, just usually how the week went and what to plan out for the week. And for him, it's like usually figuring out what exercise routines we should do. And I kind of listen to him and we kind of ask questions and back and forth to make sure we kind of get a clear milestone on what to complete by the end of the week. And especially during such a difficult time in the pandemic where you basically kind of like you get lost and you get a, a little frightened helping having somebody out there to help you plan out some of the things that you want to accomplish by the end of a certain time period it's really it makes you feel like really good inside and that you're able to accomplish something at least even though you're kind of struggling or going through a hard time for me as a peer wellness coach myself it's a really rewarding experience i feel like i'm doing something good to help out a lot of struggling students feel prepared or reassured and on an academic front, a lot of students kind of been um, taking advantage of it to take courses harder for them, but some also are taking harder courses that are causing them a bit of difficulty because you know, they're not used to it. And in response to that, me and a couple of um, other students from San Francisco and nationwide, we all came together and created an online community to make sure we can help other students that are struggling with uh, mm. learning during the pandemic, you know, tough courses and subjects. So we usually do one-on-one -on -one tutoring with other high school students. And um, we also give them like resource notes they can review, they can study on that. And um, of course, we're not the only one out there. There are tons of other online communities that were made in the light of the pandemic and uh, the shelter-in-place rules. So there's a lot of reliance on technology and the internet to find support and relief from some of the pressure that were placed on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk also about the value of having peer counselors and peer tutors. How do you think that's different? And, and is it easier for people to work with somebody who is their own age or who's closer to the same kind of experience that they might be going through? Um, I would 100% say it's easier. My club is peer-led. We only do peer-on-peer -peer talks. The issue comes when we need a mandated reporter to help us out or a counselor who has more experience because when you're talking with a peer, you're able to open up, but that doesn't always mean you'll get help. Yeah, that's a great point. Definitely when like, you're working as a high school student, talking to another high school student, you're kind of getting that one-on-one -on -one interaction and it kind of feels like you're, 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 you're in school. 
uh, in some in in some form of a way because you're communicating with people that are the same age as you, and it kind of feels refreshing. It's not like you're always talking to an adult; like you're talking to your dad or mom, and then maybe probably not older siblings or younger siblings. You just feel like you belong in a friend group, and、mm-hmm. kind of seeing that being able to help other people be their friend, and in some in some of these cases, that it's it's pretty cool actually. Yeah, I totally agree. Last year, I was a youth outreach worker, so I would go into advisories once a week, and I would give presentations on health issues to like my peers. And I feel like students are more likely to listen to someone else who is their age rather than an adult. I find it easier to confide in someone who is my friend and my age rather than、um, a grown up. In my life, and I think that the peer wellness coach program is really good because students have that one-on-one interaction with someone who is like their own friend. I'm speaking with Alan Wong, Abigail Alt, and Joyce Trong, high school students who are offering peer mental health support. I also wanted to ask about what. Parents and family members can do because some of the studies and reports that have come out about the behaviors through which mental health struggles are manifesting for students have been really heavy. I mean, these are stories of suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, self harm, isolation, anxiety. Like you mentioned, I think that this is really scary for parents, especially if they're struggling to reach their kids and they don't really know what's going on. How would you recommend families respond if they're seeing these kinds of things happen with their kids or with their siblings?、Um, the one thing I probably recommend to parents is to be aware of the situation. If you see any kind of like abnormal behavior, like suddenly your one really talkative child just suddenly hides away or isn't really talking anymore, and kind of seeing these signs, make sure to reach out to help and don't be afraid. Kind of comfort them, tell them it's okay. It's okay to go through all of these emotional thoughts. And, and kind of converse with them. Make sure they feel comfortable. Make sure they feel safe. And if necessary, you can also reach them out to professional help, like you can get a therapist, or you can also kind of like have other people meet up with them one on one. Make sure they're doing okay. And、um, you know, just being aware of the situation and、um, taking the correct measures. I'm pretty sure parents know what to do. But yeah, basically just being aware.、Mm-hmm. I would say to not downplay their. Children's emotions, because、mm, everyone、yeah. is dealing with the pandemic differently, and being a teenager is already very difficult because there's so many outside forces out there. And I think that just listening to your child and just being there for them, and not telling them that their emotions aren't like worth being upset about. I feel like a lot of parents, like I think they're trying to make their child feel better. By telling them that something isn't a big deal, but to their child, it's probably a big deal if they're going to be、yes. very upset about it. That's a great point. Um, yes, I can add on, but on a different stance, I'd say not downplaying your child's emotions is a hundred percent. That's a great way to maintain that connection, and so that's a do not. Another do not is. Don't approach your child's change in behavior with aggression. A great example would be if your child is, say, not turning in work now because all of the stress has gone to them. They're starting to lose motivation. 
don't go and say, why are you acting like this? Uh, if you don't get yourself together, ultimatums, uh, punishments, mm-hmm. that would all sever the connection between you and your child and you would no longer become a support system that they can talk to mm-hmm. when they do feel scared. Yeah, I agree with Abby. Totally. We all know about the pandemic. We're all going through stuff. Mm-hmm. But for example, for me being stuck at home versus someone else who doesn't have as many resources as I do, uh, their situation is a lot worse than mine. I feel like a lot of people and parents tend to, they like to compare like situations. For example, my Wi-Fi is really bad at home and I get kicked out of class a lot. So that stresses me out. But there are kids out there during this pandemic, their devices don't work or like they have abusive parents and their situation is a lot worse than mine. But I feel like if someone were to tell me that like my problems aren't worth being upset about, that would just add to my stress and frustration. So don't downplay your child's emotions and don't compare their situation to others by not understanding that what they're upset about is worth being upset about. Yeah, it's uh, the old, it doesn't really make me feel better that other people are also in pain necessarily, right? It doesn't, I'm not cured now. (laughs) I wanted to talk about the inequalities, the inequities in San Francisco that the pandemic has only exacerbated. And that includes racial inequalities and across many dimensions, including at school and including in mental health. And there's also been a lot of news about heightened racism, in particular anti-Asian hate and attacks, which have been on the rise since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I know two of you have been working specifically on on that latter issue, but can you all talk about uh, your work on creating an intersectional approach to mental health support and addressing some of these um, problems that have been underscored and, and really highlighted by the pandemic? Yeah, um, the mental health of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, um, they suffer greatly, especially teenagers during the time, um, in addition to like, constant harassment from how kind of their facial features look, especially the eyes, and the coronavirus fears, and um, the, of course the recent assaults that have been happening. Um, Asians are pressured to academically outperform other students um, due to the model minority myth, kind of like, you're, you're, you're supposed to be good at math, or you're supposed right. to get A's in all of your subjects. In class, we're kind of expected to be that top of the top. And kind of these stereotypical assumptions about like Asian people, especially Chinese people. And it really puts that serious pressure on them. That can really lead to like overwhelming thoughts. They kind of like think, hey, something wrong with me. Um, why am I not doing um, to, the, my, to the best of my expectations? And that can really result in like severe mental health um, problems such as like depression, anxiety, and like, even worse cases, probably even suicide. Um, the rise of Asian American assaults, like all these occurring predominantly Asian counties, such as like San Francisco or Oakland, and of course tying it back to mental health, kind of comments like hate letters and racial slurs, if they were sent to teenagers at the time, it could really impact what these people think and really concern themselves for their safety. And that fear can like potentially lead to serious problems. And this new wave of violence just kind of made me feel like I need to stand up to the hate, just make a blockade. Tell them, hey, this is not okay. We're, we're getting pushed around, and um, I feel bad if I'm not going to stand up for it. So I decided we've got to make this somehow visible to at least a certain audience. Um, right around that time, we had something called the Mustang Exchange where everyone can share their workshops. 
and host workshops and share what they what they want to teach. I took this opportunity to make a presentation on um, anti-Asian discrimination and um, hoped that it would change or create something to have like, people be aware of the situation at hand and probably also rally support against that discrimination. And it worked. We got a lot of support from it and I feel um, a lot of people were um, giving it positive feedback. Um, I like it. In response to that, I know a couple of my, a couple of my friends, they created a new club at our school called um, Asian Awareness Club. And kind of like we're now working together, hopefully, to uh, accomplish something in, in the long term. Um, as an Asian American, I think that everyone during this pandemic has just in general felt very unsafe. Like we're all very scared to go out and get COVID. But right for me and for people of my culture too i think we're more afraid also that we're going to be attacked and assaulted if we just like step out of our house and Mm. like my i'm so worried about my grandparents all the time like they go out and they go grocery shopping and i'm just always very worried about their safety and i think that the media and other people are trying to divide us more like the people who attack Asian Americans, I've noticed that they're trying to divide us more by trying to get Asian people to hate other people. And I think that the goal of Alan and I's workshop was to spread awareness that yes, this is happening, but our goal is not to divide us more. Our goal is to unify us all because but I think that a lot of minorities are attacking Asians and as minorities, we should stick together. Like this situation that's happening, the pandemic and everything that's going on, it shouldn't be what divides us. It should be what unifies us. I want to give all of you an opportunity to talk about anything related to mental health and wellness that I didn't specifically ask you about that you're just itching to say. I kind of wanted to you know, reach out to uh, possibly other high school students that are probably going through some of the things that are in the pandemic. It's just, you know what, um, from a one-on-one to you and me, it's okay. Um, it's okay to go through all of these thoughts. I know it can be a, sometimes a little difficult to um, adjust to this period, but do remember that everything is going to be improved. Everything is right now improving. Everything's going to be okay. And um, yeah, even you've seen vaccines are starting to get rolled out, and um, this pandemic might be over in a couple of months. But we just got to hold tight and uh, just hope for the best. And we make sure if you're feeling like you're really stressed out over a lot of these things, such as you know homework or you're just not feeling comfortable, do reach out to other people. Um, especially um, and your school counselors or just any trusted guardian or adult. And it, could, it could be like a real good help for you. Um, I want to say that I'm very grateful for being given this platform to speak and for being a wellness ambassador has given me the opportunity to share with others and address issues in my community that I care deeply about. But I've also learned so much more about other topics. And so I'm very thankful that Ian has been very supportive with all of our ideas and helped us with all of our projects. Along similar lines as Joyce, I 
beyond grateful that I decided to join this because Wallace Ambassadors is such a group of diverse people and they all have such amazing ideas and very such amazing ideas and their drive to make change is just beyond any high schoolers I've ever seen. And we are definitely the bridge between not just all of the Lincoln community, but between the Lincoln community and the Lincoln families, which I think is mm-hmm. a really big role. Well, Alan and Abigail and Joyce, I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. That was Joyce Trong, Alan Wong, and Abigail Alt, who offer peer mental health support at their high school. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org.